You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You are now entering Magnified Studios. Welcome. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents It's Hard to Find a Podcast. Covering your favorite indie bands from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Put your tape decks on record. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. And this is season four yeah. of Magnified Pod. That's right. I cannot even believe it a little bit. We did it. <laughs> we did it, Joe. <laughs> we did it, Andrew. <laughs> Magpod uh, season four life. Yes, there it is. A, this is going to be a, a very different season because yeah. for the past uh, almost four years, mm-hmm. we've been covering punk bands and ska bands. Mm-hmm. And now we are taking a, uh, a very <laughs> different turn mm-hmm. covering indie bands, covering yeah. some some weird stuff, some slower stuff, mm-hmm. some bleepy bloopy stuff. Some old sad bastard music, my style. <laughs> sad dad music is kind of yeah. hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we have varying experiences with a lot of the bands that we've covered mm-hmm. throughout the years. This is going to be far more of a John season. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas season three was sort of more of a heavy me season in that right. that I had a lot more personal connections with a lot of those artists that we covered the skate right. punk stuff in season three. Yeah. The first two seasons for us were, you know, these two bands we were very passionate about and enjoyable to go back and listen to stuff maybe we had in a while, but they were relatively, you know, cemented in our brains those couple bands mm-hmm. um season three for me the fun was like mainly discovering a lot of stuff i didn't know uh this time around an interesting sort of like middle ground maybe where right we're starting off with a band i know better than any band we've talked about on this pod mm-hmm. uh pedro the lion dave bazan i've often referenced as my number one dude yes on the show so very very familiar with the discography of him, which we'll be starting off the season with, but uh, you know, there are other bands again that like some of them I know really well, we'll be talking about some of them will be kind of newer for both of us. So I think mm-hmm. we'll have some, some of the fun of discovering new stuff um, and some of the fun of, of diving back into uh, at least band, a couple bands I know really well. So, yeah. Yes. And this season having anticipated that the bummers will be experiencing will be more of a like, <laughs> depression vibe and not so (laughs) much like lyrics about stuff that we're just like oof that does not hold up yeah we uh the box is is buried at the bottom of the ocean (laughs) uh, of the ocean we're not uh we're not opening it up again the closest we'll get to that probably all season will be on the patreon today (laughs) sure when we cover the whole ep right uh pedro's uh first ep when he was like still pretty firmly in the evangelical world uh, if poking at some, some of those boundaries, but uh, yeah, 
the most sort of like uh, theological bummers are probably just going to be on the Patreon this week. And after yeah. these first couple weeks of early Pedro, I think, you know, at, at least for Bazan stuff, it'll it'll take quite a turn away from anything we might bump on in that way. So I know, and that's that's kind of this is going to be sort of like probably that one episode that we right. will kind of have those kinds of conversations. Because, yeah. But as you said, otherwise the box we <laughs> sealed up last season, and yeah, now it's a funeral. Now it's at the bottom of the sea with with the sunken ships. You know, that's right. Just, just you know. Hanging out with Dave at the bottom of the sea, I guess. Mm-hmm. Some mermaids, you dodge in the draft, you go down <laughs> to the bottom of the sea, there's there's the box. There it is. Um, yes, extremely pumped to talk, uh, to talk Dave and to talk Pedro. Um, we should say, you know, we're still kind of nailing down exactly all the bands and in what order we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a pretty good sense of most of them. And, you know, I've already sort of talked to folks about what we plan to cover this season and it's interesting because some folks have been more in the you know punk ska vein and so we're like oh interesting indie other folks are like you know i sat out uh some of season three because i didn't know the bands as well but pedro is more my speed so i think we'll probably get some new folks we'll get some folks who maybe this isn't their like first choice of genre for us right um but hopefully you know we're still we're still doing the same kind of thing that folks enjoy in this community right. with diving into these old records and the scene and using it as a, you know, launching off place to talk about cultural religion and politics. And I think that we'll still explore some, some interesting places here. You know, I, there have been some, there's been some contention, I would say with like what our plan is right now among a couple of people I've talked to in terms of we're only planning to cover the Pedro. Right specifically discography here and kind of staying away from Bazan solo records and headphones and other side projects. And, you know, that hurts me in part because I love that (laughs) stuff so much, but we can't cover everything. No. And, you know, the idea is to kind of cover bands that at least began with and are still connected in some way to the alternative Christian music scene of the nineties and beyond that we're usually part of. And Bazan is just so far astray from that by the time he goes solo, but Curse Your Branches is so good. We might have to do a Patreon on that one. So okay. <laughs> anyway, we, we we are also, we have the, we, this is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. That's right. If we yeah. We want to do a Patreon of, of Curse Your Branches. We can, but yeah. the point stands that the reason that we wanted to sort of, at least with the main episodes mm-hmm. stick with just Pedro is to your point, like we're, the whole EP was, tooth and nail release you know yep so and we've spent so so many hours talking about tooth and nail bands and so uh but yeah by the time he was starting to do the solo stuff he was pretty much done with the evangelical world and that would i would love to talk about that because right there's so much that i can say Mm -hmm. that we are going to talk about when we get into the records, especially um, once we get to control and mm-hmm. records after that, that I, I'm just like, Oh God, this, I don't want to get too much into my, into my takes, but sure. I, I wish that there were, I wish someone sat me down in my college years and was like, please, 
listen to this. I feel like I failed you, man. Like it, this is, especially listening to some of the songs on this record uh, mm-hmm. and these first few albums, I'm like, he's going through uh-huh. the same shit that I was going through. Yeah. And I, but we'll, we'll get there, but I feel like we should maybe just use this time as we're talking about this to kind of, for those of, uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast, new to magnified mm-hmm. pod, you just saw Pedro and you're like, Oh, I love Pedro. Cool. Mm-hmm. There's two white guys in their late thirties <laughs> giving their hot takes on indie music. Uh-huh. This is <laughs> God deconstructed. Be. You say, <laughs> deconstruction i do declare yeah so we uh we released a video uh sometime was it last year at some point i think so maybe early last year yeah we put up a video on our youtube channel called magnified pod and introduction that kind of goes a little bit more in depth than we will right now Mm -hmm. uh that kind of gives our our backstories and our thoughts on what we want the podcast to be and what we want the community to be. So if you want a a little bit more of a nuanced uh, discussion between me and John about our stories and what we're doing here and what the point of the podcast is, you should go check that out. Yeah. But um, yeah, suffice it to say, John and I, college buddies, Mm -hmm. um, we both grew up in the Christian alternative scene. Uh, I have since left Christianity and identify as an atheist. Um, and I won't speak for your current, how you, how, how you identify, because sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like the words I use kind yeah. of change. They change yeah, from yeah. time to time. So I'm like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like uh, I say atheist. Sometimes I say humanist sure. sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I, I don't know. It just, it, it changes, but um, yes, but there, but even despite my changing beliefs and my non-belief in God, this community and these bands and the experience growing up this in the scene are still hugely important to me and mm-hmm. still conversations that I think are worth having. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, we've said a few times, like I, I still identify as a Christian today. I sort of have always been on the periphery of evangelical culture and, and know it well and have sort of uh, cast off any remaining <laughs> uh, attachments to it. Um, so I come from, you know, a, a slightly different place in terms of how I uh, came into the stuff growing up and how I relate to it now. But I think we both have landed in a, in a very similar place in terms right. of regardless of where we were, or where we are, these were artists that meant a lot to us then and still mean things to us now. And there's plenty to unpack in terms of what is troubling about it and what is still yep. great about it. And uh, that, you know, there's a lot of thoughtfulness going on um, even within the trappings of the scene of the nineties, this uh, alternate, what do we all say? The, the, the Christian, the Christian alternate, alternate universe. universe. Yes. Yeah. And you know, the, uh, the specific, trappings of that world and, and the 90s youth group culture and stuff um but you know before i get too much further i feel like Ooh. i need to wet my whistle a little Ooh, bit yeah <laughs> what, what what do you got going over there well <laughs> uh for any new listeners this this might uh 
this is new to you, but to all of the old uh, Magpod heads out there, I'm drinking an Old Flame because nice. and original. Well, first, uh, first off, I, I ran out of bourbon. So um, for those who are curious, an Old Flame is a cocktail that I invented that is a, it's my old fashioned recipe, but instead of bourbon or rye, I add fireball. Yeah, man. And it has- Reese Roper style. Oof, man. Reese Roper, love the dude. Dude loves his fireball. Yeah. Uh, But it is delicious. You might think that this sounds awful, but- um everybody who has tried it they're always skeptical at first <laughs> and then they're yeah. like they're like this is delicious and could be very dangerous because <laughs> it's so right. so easy to drink yeah man it's like the liquid version of sucking on some trader joe's cine dragons Ooh, hell yeah which i have with me um you know, we, we often will have a candy on hand or a, or a yep. drink on hand uh, for folks who aren't familiar with that. And uh, these Cine Dragons, I sent you a, a text about these. Um, I did see them at Trader Joe's recently and I picked them up and I thought about it, but I'm like, like I don't know. Is I uh, I've never really leaned towards cinnamon candy. Sure. And I guess when I think of cinnamon candy, I, I think of like, the, like fireballs like the, the small little fireball candy sure. that i uh i was always worried that i was gonna choke to death on because sure. they're, you're like they're round and you're just imagining i'm just imagining myself inhaling it and it getting lodged <laughs> in my esophagus and sure you know. but hot tamales you weren't a hot tamales guy i wasn't a hot tamales guy i was delightful more a, i was more of a i was a mike and ike mike and ike fan and you liked the good and plenty the oh, man. the the devil's the devil's candy <laughs> the the most divisive and wonderful candy that exists uh yeah. but no these cinna dragons just saying pair nicely with an old with flame a, uh, <laughs> with an old flame and you what know you, what do you want in your whistle with this is from omni Ooh, twin cities brewery yeah it is i was just up in the twin cities and you sure were uh jenny and i were at a bar and it was like i had some sort of i should have texted you about this it was like uh, so this hotel we stayed at specialized in uh, Hygge mm-hmm. and like Scandinavian coziness. And they had sure. a sauna and hot tub and uh, lots of aquavit yeah. on the menu. It was wonderful. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I like an aquavit because <laughs> it tastes like licorice. Gross. Uh, like good and plenties. Um, but, you know, a lot of those good Scandies. Good <laughs> A lot of the Scandies are, are down in there, salted up licorice. And washing it down with some aquavit, which also tastes like licorice. But I had a dill aquavit. That so sounds <laughs> fucking trash. <laughs> it's like the liquor equivalent of a weird beer. Um, and I just had it neat. Dill and, and licorice. You. I can't imagine a more <laughs> foul or repugnant combination of flavors. It's like my two faves. It's basically like you put some good and plenties in a pickle and you eat oh. it up. Oh, it was delightful. Anyway, get yourself a dill aquavit uh but no did, I, did jenny make you like power wash your mouth before she would kiss you again she was into it and she's not necessarily a licorice person so i will oh, say delightful jenny come on <laughs> um so what is this omni beer that is not dill licorice it's called melt 
uh, smoothie sour series, okay. mega berry, blackberry, strawberry, and raspberry together. Uh, 6.3 ABV. And, you know, I uh, smoothie sour, I'm not totally sure. Uh, vanilla beans and milk sugar sometimes, as I've said, not a fan of, of yes. the, uh, you know, lactose flavor sometimes, but I feel like I'm intrigued. The sour, the berry, a brewery I enjoy. So I'm pouring this out right now. The can did not explode all over my microphone, which I was a little worried about. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, we had learned to never open beers near the microphone. <laughs> yeah. It was all kind of banged up and stuff from being in my car. So I was like, this could go wrong. Um, <laughs> no, this is very good. It's very uh, berry, like sour, heavy. The, uh, the vanilla sugar aspect of it is further back in the palate, whereas the berry and the sour is more up front. So into it. Yeah. Um, speaking of Minnesota breweries, I'm not sure if you were uh, aware or if you've heard about Tin Whiskers is going to be closing its doors. Oh, bummer. I like their stuff. Yeah. So they, they, if, yeah, if you like weird beers, Tin Whiskers has a lot of weird mm-hmm. flavored, like a marshmallow beer and yeah, like peppermint, like, uh, like, a peppermint patty kind of beer and Mm. um but they did have a uh (laughs) on the podcast it was last it was during our magna fright pod series we were Mm -hmm. john and i were drinking all the different pumpkin beers and i had a tin whiskers um pumpkin beer and it was easily one of the worst beers i've ever had (laughs) that's right i feel like every say that (laughs) i was it was like it didn't taste like anything Sure. It didn't taste like cinnamon. It didn't taste like pumpkin. It didn't taste like spice. It didn't have any hop flavor. I'm like, did I just get like a really bad old beer from the liquor store? Or mm. I would be surprised if there's somehow got an old seasonal beer. Yeah. But I'm like, this sucks. But mm. I had. Maybe some that's of their, why they're closing. <laughs> they're one of their flagship beers blows and they. Yeah you know but no it's it's, yeah it's been they've been open for a while and they have a really cool space and i was there last night doing some trivia and um just thinking like man i need to i need to get johnny potts on on my trivia team because yes (laughs) yeah you were you would have been you would have been all over some of these I was ready. I had I had super eight at the ready for you. I know that was you sure did. <laughs> one of the just, questions. Just for the record, we did not text John to cheat. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, I we already had the answer. Sure. And I, you know, I was like, because the one of the things the was uh movies, it was the the picture round. So you had to look at a picture and you had to have a movie and you had to guess what the movie it was, but it was all movies that ended in numbers. Mm. So I'm trying to think of I can think of movies with numbers, but not too many that end in numbers now. Yeah, there was like um, Oceans, Oceans Eleven, uh, sure. Apollo Thirteen. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, like, magnif- like the Magnificent Seven. Seven. Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, right. yeah. Well, um, I don't know if I have any of those on DVD for you to borrow, but <laughs> they're all good. Um, yeah, we we were texting about you know. The Unbelieving Vegans will be a, yes. a kick-ass band slash trivia team um, when I'm finally up there, which due to the housing market, uh, it might be a little while. It might be a while before I get up there. We'll see. Uh, hopefully not too long of a while. Um, no, I hope not, man. It's 
the fact that you were you were up here i i know you were having having a weekend or an evening yeah. away sans kids yeah for the first time in what how many how many years now? two and a half years yeah but who's counting <laughs> oh god man yeah it was only well yeah this is too boring of a story to include the pod but why not um we've talked about I, we've talked about gutters on the pod so. <laughs> gutters are taken care of there's no problems Ooh, there bro i did i did clean get my gutters cleaned uh nice. I, I did yeah i cleaned them not not <laughs> okay didn't well anyway. done yes the years that i've considered doing it i'm just like, i can't get my ass up on that roof it sounds too hard um <laughs> uh what was it? oh yeah boring story so we were gonna leave, we we're gonna have a little more time in minnesota but we had a covid scare just before we left uh where the kids uh came into our room friday morning we were supposed to leave saturday morning saying my head hurts my head is hot which is the exact same thing they said when we all got covid the previous time so we're like shit so they stayed home from school we went and got a pcr test we couldn't leave until we got the test results back which were negative and we're just kind of like, Oh yeah. Kids just like get sick, which we sort of <laughs> forgot about because they've been wearing masks and we haven't been getting sick. Right. Um, but now that half the kids at school aren't wearing masks again, right. where we are, um, of course the kids got cold. So anyway, just a cold, but it did shorten our Minnesota trip. So it was really just kind of like seeing family. And then we had that night away. So we didn't get that, that sweet, sweet bro hanging time, but next time yeah. we're going to do it, man. Next time next time when it's uh nicer out too yeah um some people are saying magpod reunion yeah 2.0 summertime I think, I think that's what people are saying we'll yeah, have our to... uh, recording equipment in order this time <laughs> yes not gonna blow it this time um good. yes so um for yeah for those of you who are new and are still hanging with us this is usually kind of how the pod goes we have a <laughs> first half of the episode is us bullshitting about stuff mm-hmm. got some other segments that we're going to come up on and then we're going to be talking about the album in the second half of the show yeah um john mm. we have a new segment without further ado <laughs> let's introduce a brand new segment that we're calling the winner's circle Now, OG Magpod heads might think, now, wait a second. This, this segment is just a repackaged version of the takes. And I would say, how dare you make such an accusation? Some people said the takes and Joy Boys are very distinct segments. Uh, <laughs> always cover different ground, much like Winter Circle will. Yes. <laughs> um yeah so winter circle is going to be i guess it's it's sort of a mashup of the takes and joy boys because joy boys was something that was making us happy bringing us joy the takes didn't always have to be something positive but i feel like the winter circle is something where we want to shout out something that is just a straight up win something that we love something that we want to uh, put up on a pedestal, put them into the winner's circle, That's and right. highlight something that rules. Uh, winners never quit, as Pedro tells us. That's true. On the on the album we'll cover next week. So they sure don't. 
So, John, I almost stole. I almost same stole. one. What? Our same. Do we have the same winner? We don't. Oh, what did you almost steal? I was going to I was going to say, like, I wanted to talk about a certain film ah. because we haven't had a chance to discuss it. Right. But I want. But. But it turns out it turns he's, out he's my winner. Yes. Um, I got a couple winners this week. Uh, the winners, respectively, are Batman and myself. And <laughs> so I'll cover a couple things here. But yeah, we. I, I feel like the Batman is the big thing that we <laughs> missed out on talking about. I mean, there's been all kinds of like political things and personal things, and I'm just like fucking Batman. That's all I think about. Um, I can't remember if we ever. I don't think we talked about it at all on the pod. But I'm a huge Batman fan. I was sort of approaching this new movie with like a little bit of skepticism. Mm. Although the closer we got to it, the more hyped I was getting. Yes. And then when I was watching the movie, I was just like, this is incredible. <laughs> and was like, it's maybe, I don't know if I could say it's my favorite Batman movie, but I think it, it like captures aspects of the Batman comics that no other uh, Batman movie has. And I remember we talked about this uh, with our dude, Tyler Huckabee a while ago. And you were expressing skepticism about it. And you were kind of like, I don't know. Are we at a point where we're like celebrating a dude who's like a billionaire billionaire vigilante beating up poor people of color in the streets right. that we want right now? And we were like, well, I don't know. Like, I trust Matt Reeves. We'll see what he has to say. And, you know, I, I, I gave you a little bit more of a spoilie than you wanted when I saw it right away. But I will just say that that. Yeah, you saw it like <laughs> the second it came out and you're yeah. like. You started like texting me. I'm like, bro. I thought that at that point you were like, your position was you were not so sure about this Batman. So I wanted to be like, you're going to like it, dude. I know. I was, but but I, had, I, I already had the tickets ready, locked and loaded, right. ready to go that opening weekend. <laughs> well, I'm not going to spoil anyone. I mean, by the time this comes out, it's been out for a while, but it's coming to HBO Max soon. So maybe people have. Here's seen the thing it like, we need to be able to talk about it. So if you haven't seen the Batman, yeah. spoilers coming at you, skip ahead. Yeah. Um, Cover you know, up your bad ears. Yeah. Put your, you know, go down into your bat cave and, and we'll let you know when it's safe to come back up. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite parts about it was that that scene that was a central part of the trailers where he's, you know, beating up this gang and they're like, you know, he's merciless with them. And they're like, who the hell are you? And he's like, vengeance. That like it's plays in the trailer. Like you're like, yeah, Batman beat the shit out of those guys. But like, in the story, it's the that first was not time. Not my response at all. No, I know, but I'm saying like <laughs> I think it felt like that's kind of what they were trying to do by putting that in the trailers, which I think right. is what your concern was, which I shared. Um, along with just like, ugh, do we need another grim and dark Batman? And it's like, turns out we do. Um, but uh, so that that's the first time we see him in the story, and like what you also see in that scene is like what he's trying to do ostensibly is like save this other guy who this gang is harassing and Batman takes care of these, these gang members. Um, but then the guy that he's trying to save is like, don't hurt me. And Batman's <laughs> like, Oh shit, maybe like I'm screwing this up. And the course of the story is more about like, what does it mean to be vengeance? Like, is that mm -hmm. a true legacy of being a hero? Is he actually like achieving things um, by, you know, supposedly striking fear into the hearts of people, or is there more to, um, the role that he can play and kind of learning that. So by the end, it's less about 
finding people to punch and punish and more about finding hope and trying to represent hope for the city and, and look for ways to like help. Um, which maybe sounds like simple, but I feel like it's a pretty cool arc for a Batman story. And it is very grim and dark, but I feel like in a way that's not like sort of wallowing in it. Like Batman is still a figure that you can sort of believe in, even in the midst of this kind of grimy story. Um, And I really liked, you know, one thing that we did talk about back when we talked about the pod was like being hyped at the like detective element of it, which the movies haven't really touched on. He's called the world's greatest detective in the comics. We haven't seen a ton of that in the movies to date, Um, but we see a lot of it here. I mean, it's really kind of a crime serial killer mystery story. It feels like a noir police procedural, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like going around having you know it sounds boring when you when you're like he's going around and he's interviewing people and he's talking to people trying to find like <laughs> it's clues. cool though yeah but it's so great and it's so it's so long and so great you're yes. just like just oh, like man. put put more batman in front of me but yes that was that was the thing i was so excited about that it wasn't just going to be i was relieved that it wasn't just like uh a baddie of the of the week kind of situation where it's just right punching his way out of every situation and right and also i feel like the stakes were super high that yeah batman doesn't swoop in and save everybody every time and so when you raise the stakes it feels like there's something to lose and if you if there's nothing to lose then there's no tension if there's no tension then why am i even watching the movie right and and also if the person that I'm supposed to be rooting for isn't learning anything, then it's like, well, why do I, why am I rooting for this person? If they're, right. if they suck and yeah. you know, Batman coming to this conclusion that like he's having an influence on Gotham, but it's maybe not the influence he wants to be having, right. which I think I'm like, finally, like, a superhero movie with a little bit more nuance about like is violence and right. vengeance and yeah. revenge mm-hmm. the the way to go because that's his whole thing. His parents were murdered and and he wanted he spent this whole time like trying to punish the people that were corrupt and and uh, making Gotham a terrible place and. And he wanted to uh, be vengeance for his dead parents and avenge his parents and uh, channeling his anger into ways that ultimately you see were like, he was inspiring the wrong people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The aspect of sort of escalation is in like some of the movies, like the Dark Knight trilogy gets into sort of like having a Batman causes a Joker. But this really deals with the whole idea of like, what does it what does it mean to sort of be this figure in a in a really interesting way you know a lot of the movies he's sort of like in the shadows or we don't see him that much or he's like very growly voiced and this time it's like he's pretty much front and center for like a lot of the movie like he's bruce wayne a tiny bit but he's mainly batman and we see him like a lot in his costume in places with like lights on him and i think that lends itself well to like how weird it really is that he's like dressing up as a bat and walking around because everybody's like 
is this you really want this guy here and it's like <laughs> yeah i vouch for him but it's like truly weird what he's doing and i feel like it acknowledges that and kind of like gets into okay so what does it mean to be uh the batman and like you said it, it takes a long time with it it really like revels in its setting and i'm on record as being like make movies weirder and longer i have no problem with a nearly three hour grimy noir style batman movie make it longer i say um but yeah they really made this world just a place that you want to like it's a it's a dark place but it's like a place that i I just find so cool and interesting and and i just want to like live in this gotham and see all these characters and um the music is so cool and it's very like cinematic in a way that a lot of movies haven't been with like interesting shots and like these close-ups and soundtrack bro the sound is great i love the score score yeah nirvana got your nirvana in there he's literally (laughs) bruce wayne has got his hair dripping over his face in the bat cave listening to nirvana like that's a (laughs) this is this is an emo batman i'm here for it uh can we also talk about jeffrey wright as james so good man the cast (laughs) to a person is like perfect i love everything no but yeah jeffrey wright he's one of my dudes he's perfect he's so good his he crushed that that gordon mustache too so good yes (laughs) so good (laughs) i'm your favorite friend who does this mean anything to you that's how he talks (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, uh but there's there was a tweet that you that you shared with me that uh-huh. I think for people who who've already seen it uh, kind of succinctly describes the, the arc as that Batman starts uh, the movie searching in the corners of the night for the evil of the city so that he can punch it and ends with it ends with looking for the good so that he can save it. Yeah. It's an important distinction. Yes. And I and so some people might be like, oh, is this like a, a soft Batman, a soft emo Batman? And it's like, look, if you want to watch a thousand other superhero movies, right, where there's people getting punched or people getting shot or people being thrown through brick walls, and there's some sort of amorphous thing flying around in the sky to shoot mm-hmm. down and aliens or destroying the <laughs> right. city, those movies exist, right. This is something I think that has a little more nuance and talk about raising the stakes. If he, at the end of this movie where everything just goes to shit Mm -hmm. and now he needs to, he's like, Gotham is like in a worse place than it was when the movie started. (laughs) So now he's like, he's shifting the way he's thinking and things are worse. Mm -hmm. I think that makes it all the more interesting. Like, how is he going to do that? Right. So that makes me, so much more interested in how a detective or a yeah. superhero fights for uh, justice without mm-hmm. doing what Batman typically does and, you know, beating the shit out of people. Yeah. So totally. I, I think that aspect is one like piece of what makes it feel like unique and different and cool to me, which is that it really feels like a comic book and what I mean when I'm saying that is not like, I feel like people think like comic booky and you often think like, you know, cheesy or over the top or whatever, but this is like the only Batman movie to have like a Batman narration, um, which just rules. And I could picture like, you know, the captions in sure. the panels of how he's saying things. And even like, 
the Joker scene, which I initially was sort of like, do we really need more Joker? But I was like, I can picture the dialogue of that scene and like how it would lay out in the panels on a page so perfectly. And it plays like such a perfect comic book moment because it's like that's what you would get is one little bit of Joker like at the end. And what you're saying about like how we're sort of setting up future stories feels very comic booky where it's like he's had this thing. He's changed, but there are more stories to come. And it's not in like a franchisey, like you'll have to watch the next one way. It's like, a, oh, this is actually a character who's like going through things and the story sort of is ongoing. And man, I just love it so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it just, it gives me like uh, Harry Potter vibes. Like, do you remember, you remember in the, when Harry realizes that this, his father, James, which he's like, thought it was like this perfect saint and was like, he was just in like his mind, his father is like perfect and never did anything wrong. And then mm-hmm. he sort of like learns, Oh, actually his dad was kind, of sucks. Of a, kind of an asshole to Snape. Yeah. And maybe Snape has justification to, to be skeptical about Harry and, and to kind of hold these, this grudge against him and his, you know, his dad It's like this, that kind of same thing happened like with Bruce feeling like, this person that I thought I was fighting for was also part of a system that sucked. And that, that to me is like another stake. It's like, it adds more complexity to the character. And, you know, it's one of my critiques of Dune, you know, it's like, I don't care about any of the characters, but like so many things about Bruce and Batman make me feel like I, I can understand his motivations i get yeah where what he's doing and why and like watching that sort of shift i can i can track that yeah that makes um, me want to put a gum jabar to your neck and put your hand in the pain <laughs> box but that's fine that's fine <laughs> i hear you <laughs> um yes totally i, I didn't know you were the quitzak hatterack or <laughs> whatever right. yeah bene gesserits the bene gesserits in the quitzak hatterack yeah that's right that's right <laughs> Oh boy, let's start a Dune pod. Let's start a Batman nope, pod. Absolutely not. <laughs> do a Dune pod by myself and we'll do a Batman pod. Um, <laughs> but no, they're they're doing a, a a TV show of some kind that extends this universe, which again, I was a little bit skeptical before I saw the movie about like, oh, they're already planning like, you know, a whole franchise and TV and movies. But I'm like, give me as much of this world as you can. I will I will watch whatever they put together for this iteration of Gotham. And as you said, it's like touching on issues of systemic injustice and stuff in a way that like is not yeah. often grappled with. So yeah. And like here you, for it. you understand, like, even though the Riddler is a serial killer, like you, it like highlights the disparity between like who, mm-hmm. who gets resources, right? The rich people who already have resources get all of them and right. the people without resources get screwed over time and time again yeah so you're like even though he's a monster he's like his gripe and his frustrations are legitimate yeah so i think that too you're like i mean this actual terrible serial killer monster makes a good point you know yeah right there aren't too many movies that do that so i I really appreciated that yeah the scene (laughs) that kind of turns for him when he's like bruce Wayne, I was just like, "Oh shit, what is gonna happen?" Yeah, that um, scene was unbelievable. Yeah, so good. That scene in Arkham, ugh. creepy. I feel like we've been talking about Batman 
<laughs> probably like too long. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Uh, very, very pumped about the Batman. He's one of my winners. My other winner is me. This will be very quick. I'm a winner because of <laughs> the like eight concerts I'm going to in the next two months. Ooh, hell yeah. Fingers crossed that uh, COVID wave uh, BA2 doesn't happen and half of these get canceled. But uh, I'm seeing Pup this weekend. Mm. Seeing Pedro the Lion very shortly. Me Without You, Farewell Tour. I got my tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amel and the Sniffers have talked about coming. I've got my Haim. T- or how's the Haim? Haim tickets. I've got I my am. Phoebe Bridges tickets. Uh, so it's going to be a good couple months for your boy, assuming all goes well. So anyway, those are my winners. Yes. Uh, I'm just going to tag on to that, that I'm also going to be seeing a bunch of shows yeah. this summer. The I'm going to be seeing Ministry next week. Ooh, yeah. Cool. I'm going to be seeing local band uh, Kiss the Tiger. Also going to mm-hmm. be seeing Pedro. Also going to be seeing Me Without You. Yeah. Uh, going to be seeing Jeff uh, Rosenstock and Catbite, which is rescheduled yeah. from uh, this last month. And I'm going to be seeing Motion City Soundtrack. Hell yeah. I'm going to be seeing Weird Al. Yes. I'm going to be seeing the the wild hearts tour hmm. uh, oh the wild hearts uh it's a uh it's sharon van etten angel Olsen, oh, and julian baker right we have talked about this plenty i forgot that's what they were going yes um so just so so yeah, many good things coming up i'm so excited about it yeah um <clears throat> but speaking of music yes and my winners um and again, I have, I feel like I haven't, I've mentioned them before and I, but I just haven't been able to talk about them as much as I want to. And that is the Linda Lindas. Mm. And I love them so much. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Linda Lindas, they are a riot girl punk band from LA made up of young girls of color. And I say girls because they are actually children. <laughs> Very young. <laughs> the oldest one just turned 17 and the youngest is 11. You're their and doting father. I like, I talk about them like they are my children because I'm like, just so, <laughs> so proud. proud of them. <laughs> so proud. <laughs> girls are doing uh, so well. They're doing so well. They are. They like, they got signed to Epitaph. Like yeah, they, did. they just like blew up and. I'm just opening like, for jawbreaker. I know they're it's like un- unbelievable. <laughs> they're the success that they, that they're having. And um, the week that this episode comes out, their debut LP growing up will be coming out, coming out on April 8th. Cool. Uh, so if you haven't checked them out, uh, you should, and you should also, check and see if you can get tickets if they're coming to your area but you know they're playing uh unbelievable they're playing in la uh the week this episode comes out with uh face to face and jawbreaker Oof, i mean yeah. like i can't even handle oh, i can't even handle so that <laughs> but um i just i love i just love the their pop punk energy and their their riot girl aesthetic and and their their nod to like bikini kill and the and the old school in the old school riot girl bands of of the 90s so yeah um and they're just great 
Yeah. So I'm just so excited to see um, a, a, like a younger generation coming up in punk and that an established punk rock record label like Epitaph mm-hmm. is supporting that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, the, the, any number of people can like probably be punk rock gatekeepers about, you know, well, do they know their punk history? You know, they're so, it's like, let's, let's let new generations like punk doesn't need to be stuck in 1977 and the best albums of all time don't always inconsistently need to be only albums from the sixties. Let's let music keep evolving. Let's let artists create art and express themselves and love watching what they're doing. And um, the first time I saw their music video for growing up, I was like, Holy shit. These guys are just very talented. They're very talented. And yeah, I'm just so happy to see, see them be so successful and get like endorsement deals and, Mm -hmm. you know, but they're (laughs) like, watch some of their Instagram lives and they're like talking about book reports and stuff. (laughs) Oh, right. Cause you're children. (laughs) You're young children. You're in school. (laughs) Um, totally agree. That rules. Uh, they will not be at Pitchfork Festival, but I failed to mention that that's another show I'm planning to go to, which yeah. if I didn't say this already, uh, day two of Pitchfork is Mitski, Lucy Dacus, Low, Japanese Breakfast, Ice Age, The Armed. Oh, man, I got to go to that. So anyway, lots of shows for your boys coming up. Yep. Oh, also, I should mention that between the ending of last season and starting out, I also saw Lucy Dacus at First Avenue. Yeah, laying and- on the couch. She was on the couch because of her her back, and she was unbelievable. Man. And she she just released a shirt <laughs> that is so amazing, and it says, Lucy Dacus, music for hot people. <laughs> <laughs> she rules. Did you oh, get she... that, like, metal-y shirt that she had? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got that. I got oh, yeah. that. It's incredible. I love her so much. That rules. Um, yes, I'm very bummed to have missed her. Hope to rectify that at Pitchfork. Yes. Yep. Um, lots of winners. You know, I can't make any promises about Batman not being on my winner circle every week. Uh, a lot of Batman <laughs> content to get to. Thanks for indulging us this week. Yes. Uh, if you have any Batman takes or uh, winners of your own, share them with us. Please do. Um, should, we, should we take a break here? I think we should. Yeah, well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking that debut mm. full-length Pedro the Lion record. It's hard to find a friend. Hey, John. Hey. You're a, you're a fan of punk, right? I think so. I think so, too. <laughs> so have you heard of Small Step Records? Hmm. You know, the name is familiar, but, but tell me more. Well, Small Step Records is a faith-based DIY record label with mm-hmm. bands that are melodic punk pop punk easy core emo and ska and they have some new albums and new bands releasing records right now on all streaming services and you should check them out bands like home plate 
which has like an easy core vibe. So if you're fans of Newfound Glory or Four Years Strong, you, sh- you should check them out. You got Grandpa Loves Rhinos, mm-hmm. which is definitely got like a pop punk vibe going on. Andrew, not only that, Ooh. they are Magpot's first official sponsor. Oh, really? Starburst got nothing on these guys. All mm. right. These guys are the real deal. <laughs> uh, the tagline is love God, love others, listen to pop punk. You can go to smallstuprecords.com, check out the cool records and merch and bands they have, and we will be, through their generosity, offering some giveaways in the coming uh, weeks and months uh, on our socials of some of these Small Step Bands records. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Also, John, unlike some record labels, which may have come up over the course of the podcast, the artists on Small Step always keep 100% of the rights and ownership of their music. Yes. So... Any money that goes to Small Step goes directly back into supporting the bands. That is huge deal mm. when it comes to supporting artists because oftentimes band puts out a record, they don't own their music. But this is yep. this is a, a, a label with integrity, so you yep. love to see it. Love to see it. Small Step, check them out. Smallsteprecords.com. exactly makes Beyonce the queen bee? How do we feel about Ariana Grande's use of rap vernacular? And most importantly, what's better, chamomile or spiced chai? We ponder all of this and more on Hot Tea Hot Takes, now a part of the Rock Candy Podcast Network. Our show is just two friends drinking tea and discussing music, culture, politics, and anything else that comes to mind. We cover everything from Mozart to Megan the Stallion. New uploads are posted weekly. Look for it wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you soon. Bye! John, John, this is our podcast. We're just about to do like the exact same thing. (laughs) Andrew, it's time to talk about Pedro. Um, It's hard to find a friend. It's a really good record. (laughs) I've been waiting so long to discuss (laughs) in depth Bazan and Pedro. Yes. Someone who I love to discuss things with. So I'm very pumped for this. Um, And there's plenty to get into. Yeah, As we said on the Patreon this week, we're talking the whole EP. Plenty to get into there too, but um, this is the beginning of what will be uh, a run of records I'm very, very excited to dive into. And I've never mm-hmm. really talked about records that have been like this important to me, sure. <laughs> this in-depth in the way that we often treat our deep dives of discography. So very pumped, but there's a really central question, I feel like, we need to frame things around. Yes, John, but I feel like if there's anybody that needs to be asked that question, it is uh, you. So, John, okay, I mm. need to know. I must know. Yes. When did you first hear of Pedro the Lion? Glad you asked. Um, I first saw them in 2000 at the Fox Fire Lounge in Minneapolis, uh, which was my senior year of high school. It was this kind of coffee shop with a tiny stage um, downtown, RIP to that venue. Um, But I kind of randomly saw them. I know that I had heard of them fairly close to that 
time because I knew the name, but not much beyond that. And I just kind of stumbled into the show. I don't even think I saw all of that, but I looked up the show online preparing for this week and Velour 100 opened for them at the show. No um, way. We'll, we will be likely covering the season. Yes. Um, so that was fun to see. I, I really have no memory of the show at all, uh, other than kind of like picturing uh, the scene at the time and maybe knowing a couple of the songs. But it really wasn't until the next year at college that I really got into them. Um, that's when I went back and listened to It's Hard to Find a Friend, which we'll talk about today. And that's kind of when it really solidified. Um, I think that was pre, this would have been pre-Control coming out. Um, and then I saw them again on what I think was the Control tour in maybe 2003 at Park West in Chicago. Um, I didn't get Winners Never Quit or The Only Reason I Feel Secure until around that time. So, But I remember being like pumped for Control. I had the Control poster on my wall in college. So I, I did fail you by not, running up to you and just putting the album, putting the head much like garden state, putting headphones on your ears and saying the song will change your life. Or, uh, um, or Adam Scott going around with, uh, right. with REM and in the hallways of school, just being Listen like, to this, get a load of this. Get a um, of this. Yes. But that's my background. What did you first hear Pedro the Lion? So I first heard of Pedro from my cousin, Justin. Cool guy. Who was, uh, this was uh, around the time. I think this would have been pre-control okay. um, because I think Winners Never Quit was maybe the more recent album that had come out. And mm-hmm. he was talking about it and how he's like, I need to get this record. And uh, and and how he was like a big fan of that record. And mm-hmm. this this is not a this is not a great story about me because I'd never heard of Pedro and he was talking about how awesome, how awesome he was. And, um, and so he, and he was listening to a lot of indie indie music stuff at the time. We liked a lot of the similar bands mm-hmm. and we went to Best Buy. This is back when Best Buy had a lot more CDs yeah. and a lot more music. And, <laughs> I found the Winners Never Quit CD in Best Buy Mm -hmm. and I purchased it. (laughs) It was the only one. And like he wanted to get the Uh, record. I see what you're saying. And I was like, it was a shitty move. It was a shitty move. (laughs) But could have burned it for him, bro. Um, you're are you saying that I should have stolen from your favorite artist? Sorry. I mean, wow, Dave, yeah. if you're listening to this, I apologize. I've given Dave so much of my money over the years. <laughs> it's fine. He understands. <laughs> he gets it. Uh, support artists, everybody. <laughs> Don't listen yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, we're just uh, talking about small step. And I know. Giving they money. do things right. Okay. I don't. <laughs> he likes John's, small step. John's Not a like monster. John. Yeah. No, but yeah. So I pretty much took that album out from under him, but. I ended up getting it and being really, really into that record. Cool. But, I didn't know about that. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that for whatever reason, like I think I had control, like a, a digital copy of it, but I don't know what it was. I think my head was still so much in a 
punk rock place, yeah. a metal place. Sure. And and for whatever reason, I don't know. I think if I had done the deep dive into Pedro that I think it he deserved and that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. I think it would have really tracked with some of the faith struggles that I was going through at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting. He's talked about, I mean, he was on my Carreras pod, as we said, first record on tooth and nail. He talked about how at that age, he was really listening to punk and metal and stuff too. Uh, his, his listening habits were much more hardcore than the music that he ended up making. And I think he said he didn't know exactly why it happened that way. It's just kind of how his, songs came out now there is a little screaming on the whole ep which we won't hear (laughs) in the main feed this week but there's there's times when he dips into the harder edges that influenced him and i think control ironically is probably like you know the punkest of his records you could have chosen to listen to and he probably would have vibed with it in that respect but you know it's not it's not more traditional punk but i use the exact same word when i was kind of thinking about my experience with him was that i tracked with him like through pretty much each record and i think that's a lot of the reason why people feel close to Bazan and Pedro is like, it was easy to sort of go along the faith journey that he was experiencing. And obviously that kind of like splits into different places for different people at various points. But for a lot of kids like us who are in the evangelical circles, but maybe struggling with aspects of it, as we've said, for the reasons that we appreciated, you know, five iron and MXPX and other bands, um, he was clearly poking at that. I mean, the, like the, the sort of struggling with faith, honesty about that struggle, criticism of aspects of the church and Christian hypocrisy, all that stuff was there from the very beginning um, and only grew as he went on. But he was doing that from within the confines, very much of the Christian bookstore world for those first few records. And I always appreciated that. Um, And obviously only grew and like took a turn with control. Um, where that was the first record where bookstores were asking not to have that album in stock and starting to have some, you know, another reason that there's such a big um, sort of intense following of his is this interaction that he does with the audience. That's kind of a big part of it. He does these Q and A's at shows, as we said, we'll get into the, some of the questionable things I asked him at various shows. (laughs) Uh, He's kind of like, he kind of pioneered the like living room show thing, which is like what a lot of smaller artists are doing these days to make more money where you're just playing people's living rooms and various small venues, but I think people feel really connected to him. Um, and so a lot of people kind of felt like he was maybe making a space for them that they appreciated. And then they felt like a little betrayed by like, there were these glimpses of like, wait, is he, is he leaving the faith? And like right. with control, that was kind of the beginning of that for a lot of people where I, I remember him asking, I remember him being asked some heated questions at these shows and him trying to handle it with grace. And even me, like, I was always kind of like, yeah, great, you know, control, whatever, fucking tell these bookstores what's up. But (laughs) even I remember seeing him, this must have been like 2005, maybe. Um, Jenny was uh, living in New York at the time for the summer. And I went out there and we saw him at the knitting factory. And he said during the show, somebody asked him during the show, are you a Christian? Which is like the number one question Bazan has ever gotten asked at any venue. and his answer, I'd heard him be asked that a bunch of times in the past. And he always kind of said versions of like, uh, yeah, but you know, I, you know, not like 
the way that we see Christians represented, whatever. And this time he just said, no, uh, or something like, there's something to what those people are talking about, but it's not what they're talking about. And I remember just processing with Jenny on the subway back, like, what do you think he meant? Like, is he leaving his faith? <laughs> Cause like, for me at the time, it was like, this guy has tracked with me through these records. I feel like I've been with him every step of the way. And now right. I feel like, Oh, this guy that I thought we were like very similar is suddenly like maybe moving in a different direction, which is funny now. Cause I'm just like, I don't give a shit what some guy <laughs> says on stage at a show about his faith. But like at the time, you know, I was still forming my sort of identity and right. he was an important figure to me. Um, so, and that obviously changed as he kind of went solo and um, curse your branches, I think, which I mentioned earlier, his first solo LP is one of those records that means a lot to a lot of people too. Cause that's truly his sort of, you know, they called it a breakup record with God. Um, that's kind of where he's fully moving to outside of the Christian world and articulating that. And I think that was helpful for a lot of people who were deconstructing at the time. Um, and it was wasn't I mean, even I, a term like, right. Right. That wasn't even, that wasn't even a thing. Like, right. There were, I think, you know, when you think about, the early 2000s and you know like it was probably would have been called like backsliding or right losing the losing his faith or something yeah but like the whole idea of deconstruction there really wasn't that whole concept yeah yeah i i had been tracking with him for each of these records you know and like we we're saying like acoustic emo early stuff to harder rocking political stuff and then to weirder synthy stuff which I was following in, him into gladly, like musically and narratively. But when he got into the headphones album and the solo stuff was much more bleepy bloopy. And I was like, oh yeah, into this. Um, <laughs> but Curse Your Branches, as much as I loved it and, and love it still, was kind of the first time that like, I felt like I was like maybe struggling a bit with like, oh, we're not in the same place anymore, which is fine. It was just like, I felt so connected to him in so long. And it was like, he was kind of articulating this unraveling of his faith where he's like, well, he'd always thought of, you know, like Genesis as literal. And so when he got right. to the point of being like, well, if that's not literal, then like, what is any of this stuff? Which obviously like, I totally understand. And we've talked about that kind of, you know, that line of thinking on the pod before. And I, I get why for a lot of people, that's why that's kind of the beginning of the end. And for me, I'm like, but there's a, a middle ground between like everything in the Bible is literal and God doesn't exist. So I don't know. There's so much to chew on. He, he his narratives are largely at least in the sort of pedro 1.0 you know he we should say that they formed in seattle in 1995 bazan is kind of the only mainstay of the band he's the only guy that's been in the band the whole time in 2006 they broke up and that's when he went solo and we'll kind of get into in the season sort of what led to him going solo and why he reformed his band in 2017 and resurrected the pedro name but the sort of pre-breakup Pedro is all these fictionalized first-person narratives um, of people struggling with sort of moral choices. Uh, Flannery O'Connor is an author who gets invoked a lot when comparing uh, Bazan's lyrics and stories to hers, where they're sort of these characters who are flawed um, facing sort of moral situations. Um, but then with the solo stuff and the newer Pedro, it sort of shifted to being more actual first person like his own perspective on things um so yeah i think it was just a matter of sort of uh tracking with him even further as he went into those uh new directions that was like okay i, I could 
go with him, even as there was like a sort of break with how I had what resonated with him about me when I was younger. Yeah. Um, should we talk about some of the uh, other people in the band? Because this is uh, specifically on this this record, because you got yep. uh, Jonathan Ford, mm-hmm. who um, is going to come up in probably more future, maybe a future season. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's uh, he was in Roadside Monument and Unwed Sailor, and we did discuss, yeah, talking about Unwed Sailor, but a little bit more difficult to discuss a band that is like <laughs> primarily instrumental. So yes, um, we, we've also, I mean, this is the this is the season that's sort of the fuzziest around. Very genre. Yeah, and, what is emo? What right. is indie? What is post hardcore? You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's hard, it's a little amorphous. Yeah, there's been like Roadside Monument is one that we had to discuss talking about for this season, along with like Dear Ephesus and Braid and other bands that were like, we still want to do an emo season. And a lot of these bands slide a little more neatly into that. So probably some bands that you're thinking of, if we maybe haven't mentioned yet, may still go in that season later. So. Yes. So don't worry. Um, yeah, Jonathan Ford. I mean, Bazan plays most of the instruments on um, both whole and it's hard to find a friend. Uh, but Jonathan Ford is playing bass um, on these songs on It's Hard to Find a Friend. Uh, Bazan wrote all these songs. Um, I mean, he, it's like a lot of simpler indie folk stuff early on in these first couple records. Um, and he got increasingly sort of layered and adventurous musically and lyrically with each record, which is kind of p- why I was saying, like, I sort of tracked with him each time. Like, I was like, oh, I love It's Hard to Friend. Ooh, Winners Never Quit. That's better. Ooh, Control, like, harder and political. But then, like, ooh, Achilles Heel, bringing in some bleeps and bloops. Like, I just loved kind of every, my taste was sort of uh, going in the same direction as, as his with each record. But um even like his vocal performance on these earlier records have that kind of straight tone, almost sort of like nasal emo vocal quality. But by the time he goes solo, he's starting to embrace like using his whole voice and using vibrato in a way that's like much fuller. Now Um, I interviewed him uh, in maybe like 2006. um, Humble brag. Oh, right. For Sojourners magazine when I was working there and he that's when he was releasing his first solo ep um fewer moving parts um and i loved it and i was just like whoa like i was blown away by kind of how synthy it was and there were so many different parts and i was like what made you kind of decide to do this and he was saying that he spent too long trying to make albums that he could replicate on tour um and by the time he got to solo stuff he was just like well i'm gonna blow it all up and just do whatever i want which i think is an interesting distinction because he sort of gets much more there's a lot of parts there's a lot of instruments there's a lot going on with some of the later records but i do feel like he pulls off the more straightforward acoustic-y stripped down stuff really well on these first couple of records too um yeah we should say it's hard to find a friend released november 3rd 1998 on made in mexico uh as we said the whole ep was released on tooth and nail um Made in Mexico was founded by James Morelos, who is a publicist for Tooth and Nail. And I think they're primarily known for Pedro. 
also Damien Gerardo, who's like um, Bazan's partner uh, for a lot of stuff over the years. They were like good friends in high school and have done a lot of stuff musically together. Um, and then re-release on Jade Tree Records in 2001. Uh, it was recorded by Bazan at Casa Recording in Seattle. Uh, he copyrighted it under <laughs> the name Juan the Owl Music, which I mentioned because back on the pageoftheland.org forums, my name was Juan the Owl. <laughs> uh shout out to the dot org heads uh <laughs> if you're out there um it was mastered by rick vaughn at specter in washington uh it's pretty lo-fi but i think it works uh you know it it, it lends itself well to the sort of like confessional intimate tone yes of this collection of songs um but it is pretty it's not, I wouldn't call it ambitious. It's pretty stripped down. It's pretty straightforward. Um, but I, I don't know. I really, really love this album. I am curious to hear if you'll see, if you feel similarly, I think there's like a, a power in the simpleness here. Um, those melodies and riffs are really memorable, um, which kind of makes sense. Cause he, you know, he's a storyteller in a way that lends itself well to just playing songs solo you know like stripped down and that being compelling enough on its own i've seen him play plenty of times where it's just him and acoustic guitar and most of these songs are like stand up well enough for that format right um i so you had mentioned and i i want to kind of get a sense of this as uh you know if when if and when there was a shift in his songwriting style you'd mentioned that he was sort of taking a lot of the songs or taking perspective of somebody else or writing about a character and mm-hmm. not really necessarily like a first person right. experience for a lot of these songs. I mean, I didn't assume that uh, Dave Bazan was uh, a heroin user. <laughs> right. But uh, I, so is that is that correct that he's sort of that some of these songs are more perspective and sort of telling a story and you, is it a little bit more easy to, to figure out which ones are talking about himself versus uh, a fictitious person or character he's created? Yeah. I mean, I think he loves uh, concept albums and is starting right away with the whole EP um, which as he said is sort of like this these stories of uh, a heroin addicts um, and then winners never quit also a concept album control is sort of like a it is a concept album but he didn't like intend for it to be it just kind of came out that way um, so I think that's another thing he talked about and interviewed him is like he he felt early on like he needed to address certain themes and that like he would spend a lot of time thinking about how to craft these stories. And I think he often uses these fictional narratives as a way to sort of talk about his own struggles. So like, is it about heroin or is that a metaphor for sort of sin and God? And are some of these, it's hard to find a friend songs, you know, stories of his, of these people's um, doubts, or are they that as a way to talk about his own doubts and his own relationship to God? So I feel like, it's clear to see the connection to sort of how he feels about things early on. But I think for the most part, really until he goes, well, maybe Achilles heel, but like kind of until he goes solo, most of the stuff I think is purely sort of imagined characters. And I'm sure that he has um, 
experiences that are similar to aspects of these songs and they're all sort of first person. So sometimes the line is blurry. Um, but I think they're mostly his attempts to sort of wrestle with things through these. I mean, infidelity is a huge theme throughout a lot of design and Pedro stuff. Um, and he would, I mean, he's, this is odd because I know like so much about him, but he's, he's divorced now. Um, but only relatively recently and he was married for a really long time. And I think he has talked about a lot of these songs about divorce were sort of his way of working through things, even while he felt like his marriage was, um, you know, strong and didn't have those sort of problems that he was exploring, but it was, it was sort of his space to explore some of these darker thoughts. Um, and I think that's kind of why people were starting to get mad at him because <laughs> they were like, well, you wrote the song about like having an adultery as an affair in a hotel. And he's like, well, it's not me. That's a character. But I think it became difficult to sort of parse what was what and he, what he, what he actually believed. I don't know. Is that, is that a satisfying answer? Yes. I mean, and I think it's one of those things that I have talked about on the pod too, that trying to be like, what is what's what what's true yeah quote unquote true what's first person what's actual i i don't know i i don't know why that i have such a hard time with that sort of thing where yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. i need to know if this is autobiographical or not and it's like it probably doesn't really actually matter sure yeah i mean i it, it becomes really clear like the, the his songwriting style really changes with the with the like curse your branches because it's so like obviously there's no murder ballads and there's no <laughs> infidelity. It's him just like being like, how do I make sense of my life now? And so he, again, when I interviewed him, he was saying like what he learned was that like good art he felt doesn't come from like trying to figure it out beforehand. He just kind of gave himself up to like letting whatever pour mm-hmm. out of him. So that's mm-hmm. been more the mode that he's been in is just like, I wasn't necessarily planning to write a song or even an album about like my own personal faith but that's just kind of what came out and i had to sort of honor that so i don't know i i like both approaches i love a concept album i love sort of you know like i said that flannery o'connor style sort of like dark gothic vibe that he brings to songs about sort of like faith and how we're supposed to act and stuff but i also appreciate when he just got totally honest and said stuff that was clearly his own experience that felt vulnerable too in its own way i don't know why (laughs) This is probably really stupid that it took me this long to make the connection between a good man is hard to find and it's hard to find a friend. Yeah. I Well, I don't think it's stupid because I like I, I've considered that, but I was like, is that is there actually something there? But th- now that you're mentioning, I'm like, there probably is. I feel yeah. like that's like um, that story feels so much like something that Bazan would write. write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I'm sure that's probably not a coincidence. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, this is an album about uh, depression in a lot of ways, um, yeah. which is reflected in the title and, you know, I, it's, you know, gets into problems with church and faith and not always feeling that faith and the pressure to feel it. Um, which again is sort of an ongoing theme in a lot of Pedro and Bazan stuff and, and a lot of yeah. what resonated with me at the time um it still resonates so i don't know that's all my my table setting should we dive in you want to go over anything else first no i think we i think it's about time <laughs> okay that we dive into our dude that sounds <laughs> been diving for... into this dude for 20 some years 
Uh, all right. So opening track of Up and Coming Monarchs. time one could flee to the north but Canada's not what she used to be boycott the war well she could not afford to thanks to the new American harmonies were me they were not on the record i know it's hard to believe um i also said american king versus queen which is what he says on the album because i remember at the time he, he changed it to king because he was taking a dig at george w bush mm. uh this is my number one this is my number one hell yeah i'm so excited <laughs> to hear that i love love this song uh, yes yeah you know i, I you know I, I was seeing some commentary about this song and and whether there was like more of a um a shift in meaning mm. once bush became president and then right. uh the iraq war and afghanistan war everything kind of started whether there was sort of a a change in in meaning and i guess to your point he's maybe he was changing it because of george w bush but i was like because I was like reading some of this commentary, I'm like, this song was released during the Clinton era, so I'm not right. sure like what exactly. Uh, but that that makes more sense if he was, you know, because this was re-released mm-hmm. later during yeah. the Bush administration. Yeah, I mean, I feel like its themes apply, sadly, to any time because it's about sort of escaping from war you know like um obviously how things changed in the next few years he maybe couldn't have anticipated but like this idea of of draft dodging being at least in the way i interpret it sort of like synonymous with suicide here um yeah he's he's imagining life underwater the only place he can be free whether that means he's just sort of actually imagining that or whether he chooses to you know uh, die by suicide by you know by drowning um but it's about this idea of sort of you know it's called of up and coming monarchs like the idea that you can't escape war anywhere whether you're under the sea you can't go to canada <laughs> because canada's not what she used to be either I'm sort of implying that like the empire's spreading and uh, other places are beholden to the u.s in a way that they weren't before so it's like well i can either escape to 
under the sea or to death. Um, <laughs> very bleak, yeah. taking things off bleak, but I just think it's so pretty. Like, I think that central hook is so like, I don't know, soothing to me. Um, yeah. Yes. And while everything is not glossy, there is a, a style to Bazan's guitar playing that is yes. very unique. He's not hammering on a bunch right. of chords and power chords and oftentimes he's just playing singular notes yeah and i think the first time i heard that um especially on uh winners winners never quit uh with the opening you know slow and steady wins the race that was kind of notes yeah it's just notes and it was i think it was like it sounds like it's on a like a classical guitar or nylon right. string guitar. I was just going to say very much nylon string vibe on both those records. And uh, I'm like, this is such a unique style and sound. Yeah. And, and even, even it's like, it, it just all feels very restrained. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe my heart wasn't prepared to find slow, <laughs> slow core in, sure. in the nineties and early two thousands. Yeah. I was, very much so into anything yeah punk punk and metal and hard you know right i totally get that i mean like i said it wasn't really until you know 2001 ish that i was my heart was maybe prepared i feel like i <laughs> i was again sorry i was on i was downloading a lot of these songs on kaza in my dorm room bro same <laughs> and this feels very lumped in with like bright eyes mm-hmm. and I don't know, other, other bands and artists of that period for me, I was going to make out club uh, <laughs> where it's just like these sort of intimate folky intense songs. So I sort of lump all those together. And yeah, I think I was ready at that point to sort of like, it doesn't need to be fast and hard to like hit me hard. And right. I like the guitar parts and the bass line a lot on the song and other songs here where it feels there's just kind of like a warmth to it and yeah. Yeah. Into it. Yeah. I, I was just thinking of you were saying um, downloading bright eyes and 1000%. I was downloading like fevers and mirrors and yep. um, I was trying to think of, I was looking at other similar artists on, on Spotify. It's like, listening to uh apple seed cast yeah yeah, and yeah totally the anniversary yep, and 100 all these other uh, sort of indie bands that were a little bit a little bit more electric guitar driven sure. than than pedro was um yep. maybe not as slow as right. pedro so uh i i guess i tended to lean more towards more towards them and and there's something too about bright eyes when I was listening to some of those early records. I'm like, it's like, wow, Connor Oberst, his he sucks, but he was so good. <laughs> like, like I'm like, this guy doesn't cannot sing, but like I really right. love what he like his lyrics and his guitar playing. Well, I his... don't know what you mean, Andrew. <laughs> I think he sounds great. Anyway, was that good? <laughs> um, killing it. So I don't know. There's just, I don't, there's something about Pedro that like I, there, it didn't, didn't keep drawing me in enough. And, yeah. and 
and now that I'm doing a, a proper deep dive now, I'm like, man, where I really think this could have been helpful. I really think yeah, a lot yeah. of his writing yeah. could have been helpful for me. Yeah. Well, sorry, I wasn't a good enough Pedro Evangelist to you to say. Clearly, hey, I mean, get into I mean, this stuff. You were downloading it, so you're like, ah, I'm not really, not really that invested in this guy. I have paid for every Amazon <laughs> release. All right, everybody. Uh, at Dave Bazan. <laughs> Wait at... till you get a load of this. <laughs> you will not believe this shit. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about that that song, or should we move on? It's good. Let's move on. All right. The longer I lay here. Marty depressed. It's great. This is a, it's a great song. Um, so this is sort of what we were referencing earlier before we started talking about the records. A far more evangelical yeah. bent to some of these songs. Kind of the um, a lot of <laughs> what we called last last season the I'm a piece of shit song and <laughs> yeah. whether or not he's <clears throat> actually talking about himself he's this idea that like you're broken you're sinful yeah. you're you're in need of help because of your uh human condition and Jesus is the one that can help with that um yeah. this is a a little bit more poetic than mm-hmm. than some of the other <laughs> lyrics yeah. of of the of the pop punk and skate punk bands we discussed but still uh similar in tone nonetheless yeah i mean uh, i would say you know we'll talk about whole on the patreon but even more on that record are there oh, yeah. um i'm a piece of shit and only god can fix that songs but what i feel is different especially on it's hard to find a friend versus that is like <sighs> I think what, what makes it distinct for me is that like, it's about a struggling with depression or belief and God being a comfort rather than um, I'm awful. How could you even love me? 
I know I'm going to screw up again, but you take me in. This is more just like a plea and a sort of peace with the comfort that comes from asking God for help. I don't know. It, it feels to me like maybe I'm, maybe I'm making, you know, distinctions that aren't really there, but like, it just feels more sort of, um, I don't get bummed out. I mean, I, as you said earlier, I get bummed out because these are songs about being depressed, not because I'm like this theology bums me out necessarily. Right. And it's also um, different because he's like being more specific because he's talking yeah. about like being lazy. Like he's not, he's like not doing anything. And like somebody yep. he's talking about somebody who's just like starting the day they're industrious, they're doing shit. And he's like, I, I yeah, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to do anything like, and, and that's better than being like, just in general, my entire humanity, I'm a giant piece of shit. (laughs) Right. It's not about like lusting either, which is a nice change. That is a nice change of pace. (laughs) Um, I don't want to presume to speak for both of us, but I'll just go ahead and say, this is relatable content for your boys. Uh, Oh my God. A prayer for help from depression. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's sort of, it manifests as what he calls laziness, but I think anyone who struggled with depression understands the POV here. Like, uh, all I can say is get that therapy, bro. <laughs> get that therapy. Yeah. Get that, uh, get that ADHD medication. Like <laughs> sure. I just did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just being yeah, able to have I mean, some level of motivation to care about something and, and mm, totally uh, do anything and, and, and think clearly, you know, yeah. yeah. Be, depression and anxiety, man. It, uh, Yep. And it's, it's, there are some songs on other page or albums that are like, like, uh, laziness and lethargy personified in like the mm. music. You're just like, mm-hmm. you feel totally, like, you feel like you're like falling asleep the way yes. you're just like, oh, God, he, he just does such, <laughs> such a good job at that. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually, he does a lot of like real slow album closers that kind of feel like you're drunk when you're listening to it yeah. and sort of like a story about somebody who's in a bad way. Um, yeah. Um, to protect a family name is the one I'm specifically yes, thinking. Definitely. Thinking Man, can't wait to get in the record. Oh, I can't, um, can't wait. Yeah. I mean, he says it sounds so ridiculous, but I just can't like this. And it feels that way in the midst of feeling that, but it's like, it's not actually ridiculous when you learn about getting healthier. You know what I mean? Like, I feel right. like it's, I was thinking of, um, oh, what is that movie? Manchester by the Sea. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Uh, I've um, heard of it, have not seen it. Deals very much with sort of uh, the trauma that this character goes through and sort of the extreme depression that affects the way he sort of lives after that. But it's about this sort of like Boston working class community. And it's sort of like, you know, not a big spoiler here, but whatever. It ends with like, he has this big, uh, discussion with his nephew and he's like I can't beat it and it's like the whole of how to deal with depression summarized in like a very quick line and it makes me even sadder because like I can't beat it it sounds so ridiculous but I just can't like this I'm like that's there are ways to get healthier though <laughs> and like they you know this character in this movie is not going to therapy this david zone character is not going to therapy yet at least but i'm just like i don't know anyway it it hits me in a way because i'm like i know it can feel like god why can't i just get my act together and it's like well it's not that's an that's not a healthy way to look at what's happening you know what i mean so anyway maybe i'm not articulating this well but i'm just like it hits me because it feels 
very relatable, but I'm also glad to be on this side of things where I'm just like, you don't have to look at it just being like, God, why, uh, this is so like sad and ridiculous. Why can't I just get my act together? Um, musically, sorry, was there something else you want to say? No, I, I, it's, you know, I, I posted something on Twitter the other day just about, you know, I had a, I had a tough therapy session earlier this, mm. earlier this week and something that Doug, my therapist and I talk about often is, <laughs> and I say this because uh, he's, he talks about it and I'm bad at it, which is uh, radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's just one of those things that you're just radically accepting how uh, the reality of something, not necessarily being like, you know, I'm depressed and just deal with it, but more so, more so like situations and that we can just radically accept uh, a particular thing. And it's just like some of this stuff, like, in theory and logically like we can understand you and I can both understand how depression manifests Mm -hmm. and we can be like, I'm feeling lazy and I'm feeling Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z right now. And I know it's because of depression and we can try and logic our way out of our depression. Right. But that's so much harder (laughs) than it, than it, sounds like it should be and if if i could logic and reason my way out of my mental health problems i would be right. fine right, right. <laughs> but i can't and yeah. and this this like i just can't lick this i i understand that mm-hmm. just kind of throwing up your hands me like i i don't i don't know what to do and i also have no energy to to even try to do anything right now right and so i (laughs) this is just very much on on our wavelength as you said yeah um and to match that sort of uh narrative intimacy that the music is very intimate and quiet you can hear his chair creaking (laughs) i mean it's like it's just those nylon strings on that acoustic guitar microphone in a room microphone and a metronome going um and the, you know as you said the electric guitar comes in for a nice simple solo again just some notes um but it feels some of these songs i like some of the pager stuff that almost like leans in a sort of countryish direction and that mm. that pace and then that guitar solo almost feels a little like ding 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 you know it's kind of yep. that westerny sound which just a walk in bass yeah, it's great. So very much here for that. I don't know. I like the song. Waiting for a uh, waiting for a little cowbell or a vibra slap or something. Oh yeah, that'd <laughs> like, be cool. I mean, this isn't cake or anything, but <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> depressed. That kind of thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> speaking of songs that sound like they would be a country song. <laughs> yeah. Songs called Big Trucks. Big Trucks. Just out here on the open road with my buddy Pedro, got a got a big haul, got a got to bring him into town. <laughs> uh. Dad, Dad, what did you let that man push you around? 
down to the ground, down to the ground for that. He said, sons, you're still young and you always jump the gun. There's real people in the big, big trucks that you flip off when they get in. Sign that says oversized love. You really think they can go as fast as you and your 87 trans? And they know you're in a terrible rush. They're going just as fast, as fast as they can. Uh, probably the biggest, most enduring song from this record. Which is such a bizarre, as somebody who did not know this record at all until recently, Mm -hmm. uh, I find that very curious. Can you explain this? (laughs) I think there's a couple of songs on this album where there's suddenly like an upbeat, catchy uh, chorus riff or melody. Um, And those are the ones that I think have really broken through in terms of the ones that people remember the most and that still get played at shows. Um, you were doing that thing you do the jaunty when we, <laughs> when we hear a kind of song that doesn't quite click for either of us, I think where yeah, jaunty arm swinging. I, I like the song a lot, um, but it's always just been a little too bouncy for me. <laughs> like I get why people, I get why that sound is the one that sort of like, people are into the most but for me it just feels a little like not out of place compared to these other songs it's just like oh suddenly we're like do 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 like oh we're having a good old time um but i I don't know even though it's never really been at the level for me that i think it is for a lot of uh pedro fans like i do think it's really fun i think that chorus is so catchy um it's kind of like you know there's actually like a full band doing stuff here which isn't the case on all these songs so I don't know. There, there was originally a slower, more stripped down version of the song that was released as a single. And that's the one that makes it onto the only reason I feel secure um, that EP, uh, which I kind of like a little more, not surprisingly, but we'll get into that on a future Patreon. Um, you know, thematically, I really, I like the theme a lot. It's about, you know, teaching empathy and understanding. Um, I do still think about it when I see big trucks sometimes <laughs> it's kind of about, you know, cutting people some slack not even not not giving into sort of like toxic masculinity before that was a widely used term um so yeah i don't know i i like it it's not it's not as important to me as it is for some people but i'm into it yeah i think there is a good takeaway from this and i think it's interesting that you talk about a catchy chorus because it's like there's a there's a lot of words in the course <laughs> that's true there's real people in the big big trucks that you flip off when they get in the road you get so hacked that you pay no mind to the great big sign that says oversized load low oh, oh. <laughs> a7 trans yeah i don't know but it's such a terrible rush <laughs> it's definitely it's definitely bouncier uh in a way that makes it single worthy <laughs> so sure yeah um people are probably gonna be mad at us for this take i don't know it's 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 fine like i don't i i don't know 
I, as somebody, I'm not an OG Pedro fan, and maybe it's sure. blasphemy for me to not herald big trucks as a, an amazing feat in songwriting, but you know. How dare you? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's fine. That's fine. There are other songs on this record that I like more, such as. Mm-hmm. Yes. not in my top three but as i'm listening to it i'm like no it probably should be wow uh (laughs) there's i mean it's this has got like a i mean i could i could see this being transposed into like a cowpunk song absolutely because it's still because it has that country flair to it yes it's like what we're talking about before yeah yeah and i love everything about the song, the sort of Christian hypocrisy yep. and uh, fever to find the scapegoat fast and fix the blame. Mm-hmm. I know he never meant to leave the way you came, which I think is a, a super interesting line that I've tried to think about. Like, so it makes me think like, okay, so this person came to this church, presumably mm-hmm. maybe hurting, maybe in a bad way, maybe needing support. And now they're leaving also probably hurt or in pain or in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And that the church didn't help and that there's obviously something to do with rumors and people talking shit. And yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I, I don't think that's like, um, couldn't be the case along with how I've always interpreted it, which is like, again, this kind of old West theme, kind of a Western town. We got that country-ish twangy playing in melody, as you said. And so I kind of, yeah, I kind of imagined this guy, you know, suspect fled the scene. He's coming into town after having done something that he needed to ride off into a new town for. And so I guess I've, I always took the sort of like leave the way you came, meaning he kind of, he fled into this town to escape some trouble. And now he's got to flee again. Um, but yeah, there's no reason why that's not, that couldn't be synonymous with what you were saying. I think that the core of it, whatever this guy did, whether he's actually 
committed some sort of wrong and has to escape to a new place or whether he's just going through something and is looking for someone to help him out. It's like the, the, the fundamental story is like hypocrisy in this, this church town, Christians looking down on people, looking to blame, looking to judge. It does a real like parable quality to it. Yeah. Like in my mind, like I'm not, I, I guess I'm not thinking about it in like some sort of like literal somebody, a suspect fleeing a scene and committing a right, crime. Right. I'm thinking about it just like as that is an example of sin. And there's a person coming to the church who is a sinner, quote unquote, and there's probably some version of this sin that uh, whatever the sin is, is not acceptable in the church. And they're probably talking about whatever it is, this person, maybe this person's gay. And, sure. and, and so they're like talking about this person and, or maybe they, you know, had premarital sex or they cheated mm-hmm. on their spouse or whatever. Yeah. And so the, the rumors are like, like, Hey, you know, I came here to, you know, maybe find a church community and now yeah. I'm like, well, fuck, I guess I got to, I left another church for the same right, reason. Right. And now yeah. I'm like, yeah. have to leave this church too, because you guys right. are being assholes right yeah regardless of the details whether it's like a true sort of murdery ballad type thing or just it works like both ways for me yeah because again it's it's he's using story as a metaphor to talk about how we live out our faith and how what our relationship to god is and if what you take away from a quote-unquote church town is people finding you to be the scapegoat starting rumors about you and then shooting to kill you <laughs> whether that right. means literally or metaphorically like that's a powerful uh, condemnation of sort of how we behave as sort of um, church going people and of people representing God and failing to do so. So, yeah. And, you know, the scapegoat thing, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a powerful, it's a powerful thing to get behind somebody to uh, hate as a group. Right. Yeah, I might have messed up here. Uh, I'm reserving the right right now. I'm calling it to say I might move this into my top three. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll keep going. Yeah. All right. Uh, bad diary days. days one of good first first of many songs about infidelity or cheating yes uh a relationship falling apart indeed um yeah one of the first pedro songs i ever heard uh i remember distinctly this being one of the 
MP3s I downloaded <laughs> and just being like, man, you're oh. really digging yourself a hole here. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. This is uh, it's 2001. It was a different time. Was it? I don't know. Um, you wouldn't download a car, would you? <laughs> I would totally download a car. Um, I mean, we can now just 3D print a car. All right. Yeah. Might as well. Um, yeah. I remember hearing this and being like, oh, this is some heavy shit. <laughs> like, this is my window into like, these relationship deterioration songs are bummers and there's so many of them. Um, but I love it. I, 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 this is another pretty well-known one from this record, I think. Um, and it's simple, but it's got a catchy central hook like that. I think is pretty memorable. Yeah. Um, and then there's this, like, maybe we even need to hear it. There's kind of a buildup in the outro to finally some, distortion and some symbol writing there's like a doom cat doom cat do <laughs> that finally comes in a little bit um which is satisfying it would not happen again and she swore that she feels so explain. intimate here quiet pretty great yeah that fuzzy guitar is great mm-hmm. by the ending there's even like a some kind of pedal where it's like <laughs> into that um yeah i like it a lot it's a bummer um <laughs> you know infidelity and... i think you could probably <laughs> you could say that after every major <laughs> song i like it a lot yeah. it's a bummer Right. And again, is it like, you know, is it just straight up a tale of uh, adultery and a crumbling relationship? Or is there some sort of metaphor here about infidelity to God? I don't know. I'm of the opinion that with this one, it's more just kind of just straight up a a little fictional tale. But I know people have interpreted some of those, some of all of these as being like metaphors. So anyway, like, I don't know. Sometimes the song just a song yeah. yeah a pair of ticket stubs in our desk a movie i've never seen so like the ticket stub that's is... actually the book of acts <laughs> and the movie know. is uh god watching you sin and right. yeah and girls night out we all know what that means um anyway yeah good song good song <laughs> uh the longest winner see I'm already depressed and sleepy. <laughs> In a beautiful way. Yes. Spring comes slowly to this old
This song is such a fucking bummer. <laughs> it sure is. Um, it yeah. it makes me emotional and sad every time I hear it. The yeah, the lines love well, young man, while you still can. Once your leaves turn, you won't love again. Oof. Tough one. Um, one forgets how it feels to to have loved completely. Oh God. Yeah, I don't know if this is him imagining himself in the future, projecting it, or just maybe somebody he encountered and doing a version of that or just completely made up characters. Um, but having this perspective of, of an older man encouraging a younger man to sort of seek out relationships and love well in his younger age while well, he can versus this old man who's depressed and alone is tough. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you spend your whole life in a studio apartment with a cat for a wife. <laughs> Same, bro. Sick burn on this guy too. I know, um, right? Well, yeah, but me, just that... me, just me, and Kevin, just uh, your wife, Kevin, my wife, Kevin. <laughs> um, good girl. yeah, even like the song, the longest, the song title, the longest winter. It's just like, oh man, those, these are these are tough. Um. Having Especially said that, up here in Minnesota, you're like, <laughs> I know that, I know that feel. <laughs> yeah, man, just alone with your cat. It's winter never ends. Jesus, yeah, I know. It's like, I'm like, here I am, a divorced man in Minnesota in the winter with my cat, and I'm just like, fucking Dave, you don't have to attack me this hard. He didn't have to go this hard at me, bro. <laughs> what the hell, dude? Yeah. Which is what makes me think, like, he probably feels himself saying some of that, too. Uh, yeah. So, anyway. Um, but, real nice guitar tone. Um, yeah. That acoustic and that electric, again, just, like, so warm. They work together so nicely. It feels so intimate. It's um, so intimate. It's all so pulled back and restrained. Mm-hmm. And I like the little panning that has mm-hmm. that's he's got going on in the different ears with the different guitars and the the really yep. s- uh, soft drums and mm-hmm. it's great yeah it's really a pretty melody even if it's very slow and dark but i think it's it's a pretty song it is um when they really get to know you they will run pretty dope social commentary indeed 
which is part of why it's my number two. Ooh. Um, uh, yeah, this is this is definitely another of the big enduring ones from this album. Uh, this is one that still gets played. It's gotten played for a long time. But yeah, I, I appreciate the message a lot. Um, and this is another one that, you know, as a whatever I was, 18, 19 year old, like, oh, this is this is uh, dealing with some stuff that you don't hear that often um, in sort of the indie music world. Um, you know, this idea of changing your appearance, conforming to gender norms in order to fit in or like fulfill narrow social expectations. Um, so again, he's sort of, he's doing that through the POV of a guy who's professing the need for women to do that. <laughs> um, so the sort of sarcasm of that always hit. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's maybe like the hardest rocking of any of these songs in a way. <laughs> sure. Like not that it rocks especially hard, but that it's like <laughs> full electric drums the whole time. Um, and I just think again, that chorus and that central slidey hook are so catchy the like ding, 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 ding. very memorable and yeah. maybe the way that big trucks is too which is maybe why those <laughs> two are sort of the bigger ones uh, but i don't know that it doesn't feel like bouncy in the way that big trucks does for me it just feels very like it's hooky but it's it's memorable in a way that i can i like doesn't make me feel like swinging my arms so yeah um the phrase junior high legs is a bummer. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was wondering if he was just like referencing when girls start like waxing or shaving. Yes, their, that's their how I was saying it. Or yeah. if, if he's saying like uh, women who like they want to wax like pre like so their legs are like pre puberty. Uh, yeah, they're maybe. like they're all smooth because they haven't started growing body hair or whatever right yeah could be <clears throat> i don't know but either yeah. way it's cool <laughs> either way john loves junior high legs <laughs> oh boy <laughs> no thank you yeah sorry um <laughs> i i do like winter legs give me heart attacks and <laughs> yeah. uh and husbands in winter they know the truth which i think yep. is is funny for anybody yeah, who's in relationships uh, or has a partner Mm -hmm. um who just like opts to be like i'm not gonna <laughs> shave my legs if i'm right. like wearing pants all winter right. you know right. there's no point or whatever yeah yeah i remember at a certain point he started singing husbands in winter we know the truth which jenny and i was like oh that's cute that he's doing that because you know he's married obviously and then you know, he switched it back to they know the truth after he got divorced just sad anyway good song good song <laughs> Um, of minor prophets and their prostitute wives. All the time you were burning my letters, you were only acting the part. You think without me you'll get on much better. You don't even know your own heart Come home, darling Come home quickly Come home, darling All is forgiven 
my number three. Ooh, okay. This is the one that I am like, do I swap this for suspect? Mm. I could, they're very close to me, but I think hearing this again, I'm going to stick with suspect probably being my number four. Okay. Um, I just love the hook, the central melody of this so much. And like we've said, maybe this doesn't exactly transpose to a cow punk song in the way that suspect put the scene does, but like, it's got that like, it feels very like <laughs> Western sort of sure. rhythm. Um, that kind of country-ish riff to me. I really like the sort of pace of that. Um, drums are really cool here. I like the sort of syncopation of how he's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like the sound a lot. I think it's a really cool sound. This is another one of the first Pedro songs that I heard um, alongside Bad Dire Days and some of these other ones. So I've always, I think it was partly because I saw that title and I was like, ooh, I got to know more about that one. <laughs> that's like, right. that's provocative. Um, but I'm wondering, part of what makes me question whether I should swap it out is what did what you thought about these lyrics? Um, I mean, it's about on its face, you know, uh, the minor prophet of the Hebrew Bible, Hosea, who God told to marry Gomer, who was a sex worker. Uh, and she was unfaithful to Hosea, but would return to him, which is like, you know, serving as a metaphor for God's relationship to humanity. Um, so I feel like the lyrics work as either the perspective of Hosea, like a person who's been cheated on or God, you know, basically saying like, so Hosea is saying like the town will come after you for your sins, unless you come back to me and I can save you from that. Uh, but that could also be God being like, you know, you'll be damned, but I can save you from that. If you want, it could be like a comforting idea, but it also right. could be like very like vindictive and manipulative and, you know, he says, you don't even know your own heart. That feels very like gaslighty. And yeah, I don't know. I, I can't tell if we're supposed to find what he's saying, like gross, or if it is supposed to be like a metaphor for God, like that we're supposed to find comfort of that and being like, look, God knows us better than we know ourselves. We keep messing up, but we'll come back to him. And he really knows it's best for us. But I'm like, Ugh, holding like the town coming after you slash hell over this person, unless you come back to me, feels very like not a <laughs> loving relationship. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't think I would want to be anyone in this, in this <laughs> metaphor. No, like whether it's Hosea or whether it's God, it just, it sounds like, like an abusive relationship. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, right. being which like, maybe that's the point. I don't know. It could, it could be. I treated you as if you were a princess. You treated, <laughs> you me, treated like me like a cop. It is a good line. Though. It's a great line, <laughs> but um, I gave you boundaries to save you from certain death. You know, it's like, <sighs> yeah, uh, you know, bummer. <laughs> you, you're not appreciating what I'm doing for you. Yeah. I gave you these boundaries for a reason, baby. Yeah. Which again is like God saying, I gave you boundaries. I don't know. I I wrestle with it a little bit. I'm also like, I could see it as being sort of a, a, cri- a criticism of seeing God in that way. Maybe. I don't know. But maybe that's um, generous. But you're still playing for love you'll never find outside of these arms of mine. It doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's, it's, yeah let, let's, let's play that out in real life. If you're dating somebody and they're like, if you leave me, you're never going to find someone as good as me. It's like, right. fucking see ya. Like, right. Like, that, is that a relationship you want to be in? Absolutely right. not. And I guess I, I give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because that connected with how he talks about God 
and his understanding of God in later albums and some of the struggles he has, even on these early albums makes me think like, Hey, if this is how, if this is what it means to have a relationship with God, like I'm not into that. Right. So it could be that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give him like the benefit it. of the doubt because I don't, I don't think he's necessarily holding to this right theology that like that's some sort of like stockholm syndrome situation or gaslighting like yeah that's none of it none of it is is great yeah but it's a good song good song though (laughs) good song um the bells son sort of situation or yeah i think so i feel like it's yeah. another one that works as either a son confessing to a father and the father forgiving him or yeah someone confessing to sin to god and, and god forgiving them yeah um i don't know i like it. it again like i really like the warm tone yeah of the guitar parts it's sort of pretty and kind of yeah yeah shimmery shimmery yeah. a little bit um yeah another like very slow one but it kind of feels like a, a warm bath to me mm. um yeah so i don't have a ton to say but i like it yeah it's uh i mean i guess this is this is the maybe one of the closer songs we could get to maybe talking about lust <laughs> but sure the fair yeah. gender the they fair always agenda. turn my head right right, right. Sure embarrassment i'm nearly dead that's interesting because that's true but i guess the fact that he says from sheer embarrassment like makes me feel more like i guess i always took it to mean like 
he gets embarrassed about how he was like he acted stupid in front of a girl or something and that's like what he's wrestling with but it might be like he's embarrassed of how lusty he gets that's probably it so yeah yeah you're right it, it fits in that pretty well doesn't it yeah god's like i get it bro <laughs> bro <laughs> bro I'm the you one see some great, of these junior yeah, high legs. Hey, don't see these smooth ass legs. Know what I'm saying? Like, look, bro, I'm the one who created them over here. <laughs> oh, I love how God's now. One God's of our Jersey, guys. Jersey. Hey, oh. Hey, if, yeah, keep your eyes up here, know what I'm saying? Hey, you better come back to me. Hey, I'm going to send back you to hell. Hey, you going to be confessing over here? <laughs> uh, oh, talking man. about the bells over here? All right. Uh, secret. Lots the, to say about this next uh, one. Me too. Secret of the easy yoke. my number three okay i figured it was there was a time in my life when this would have been my number one Mm. easily this was like a really special one for me um and at that point i felt like it really resonated almost like a worship song like i remember sort of raising my hands (laughs) to it at shows because i felt like this is the most sort of honest worship song i can get with at the moment yeah um i felt very much with him on on being on the same wavelength in terms of believing but being frustrated with the confines of evangelical culture right Uh, yeah but for me it goes beyond that because i had this exact same struggle listening to the song i can picture our saturday night worship services at north park Mm-hmm. Uh, being in the balcony, listening to the worship songs, probably you doing your punk jumps on the stage with your bass. Uh-huh. Did my perfect fire annoy you? <laughs> there were I I did I was annoyed. Not I'm not I'm not saying by specifically by you, but like sure I was 
frustrated and annoyed by people that would seem to have it figured out like they could feel something right and i couldn't like they they like they were experiencing something that i was trying to authentically also experience Mm. and i was like why can't and so like i was simultaneously judging them for like what i felt like was performative but i was Mm. also frustrated that if it was authentic that they were doing something and were able to experiencing something able to experience something i couldn't experience right and so there was like this and that was sort of that tension was one of the reasons i ended up stop i stopped going to those services because it just was too emotionally challenging for yeah. me to wrestle with that in a crowd of people who are like actively worshiping and praising and i was like i i can't be here i was annoyed i was frustrated and you know so that part to me um sometimes i don't love you at all you know i think is probably one of the more honest lines that i can imagine when it comes to people who are wrestling with their faith it's like he's this is a returning theme this sort of wanting a physical proof wanting to mm-hmm. have some sort of actual experience yeah and um you know, the talking about people wearing i'm assuming wwjd bracelets yes i think so and having something on them to remember because right that some abstract concept of god was like like oh right jesus that's why (laughs) i'm doing this because there's nothing else here that i can latch onto yeah 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 i i i appreciated then especially the articulation of that of being like uh if this bracelet is all that's like tethering you to your faith i'm not sure that i want to (laughs) have that same faith um that that line but if all that's left is duty i'm falling mm. on my sword (laughs) Yes. so good at least then i would not serve an unseen distant lord ah it's so good i wish i heard this yeah yeah well it's it is interesting i think as you said i still have never seen you and some days i don't love you at all is quite an honest and bold claim for a band to make that was at the time very much still in christian bookstores and that was moving to me then and still is now um but yeah, it's interesting because I feel the same way as you. I was always annoyed by the what I found to be like over the top right. praise and worship posturing. And I never even thought really about like that what I was doing, what I felt was authentic worshiping <laughs> up on stage and I was in the worship band could come off equally sort of like annoying to people. That's interesting to consider because um, I too felt unmoved by the, the the popular kind of praise and worship songs at the time that were popular at our worship night and at other, you know, I was, I was attending a mega church until very recently and I was never not annoyed with <laughs> the perfect fire. Um, and so I've always, you know, forever, how, however long that's been, you know, that I've been attending mandatory chapel services in high school I have, I have found resonance in the, it's true. They did not move me. My heart was hard and tired. Their perfect fire annoyed me. I could not find you anywhere. Like 
I don't see God here in this performance, I think has right. always been something that um, articulated my feelings well. Um, and, you know, but the fact that he ends with, I still want to trust you. That's what I was going to say. Like, even still, like in all that frustration, I was still really trying. Yeah, right. and, I was, and one of the reasons I was so annoyed, it was like, is because I was striving for an authentic experience. I wasn't like, going to force it and be performative and be like let me just raise my hands and see if like i can get something maybe like i can yeah pretend and like i don't want to fake an emotion or feeling i want to genuinely know and uh but i was losing steam and i wanted to trust him but like i was like yeah i'm i don't know how much longer i can do this yep i i totally get it um I, and I think, I mean, I, I found that powerful at the time. I still want to trust you, but I really think the ending ending, the repeated peace be still is yeah. really what made it yes most resonant for me. Because to me, again, we're sort of back to, which is, feels very not in keeping with the possible God portrayed in, uh, you know, of Minor Prophets. But this God to me feels again like a, he's laying this all out before Jesus being like, I don't even know if you're real. I don't love you. (laughs) Like that's pretty honest. And that Jesus response is peace. Be still like, I still kind of get chills when I say that. Cause I'm like, after everything he said, Jesus response is so, I find it so comforting and so powerful in its simplicity. You know, it's, it's from the gospels. It's from when Jesus said that to the raging oceans and calm the storm. Like, it's it's a simple statement, but it's powerful in its simplicity. And I get, <laughs> I think the reason that it's not in my top three now is because this. It when I heard this, it was just exactly what I needed to hear. That like there was a guy who was going through the same things, but still found that trust in the idea of like Jesus saying, "Peace be still." Um, I can understand feeling differently about it now. You know, right. you're not trying. Your your aspiration is not. I still want to trust you at this point. Um, and I think for me, I'm sort of past the struggles of this and have sort of moved on from those spaces. So it doesn't hit me in the same way, but there was a time when this really more than any song on the record, like articulated how I felt about faith and my relationship to God. Yeah. I, I think, I think this probably could have been a super powerful song for me at the time. I mean, it still is now because I can, yeah. I have that, I can have those sense memories cause I can imagine yeah. those <laughs> those experiences spaces yeah and and just certain people who were singing or up on stage specifically feeling very emotionally triggered by mm. their actions and their yeah. the way because i'm like why i'm like it, it just always felt so gross to me worship mm-hmm. like this like I think arguments for corporate worship can be made for like, this is how faith traditions wanted worship to be like, to be uh, faith communities together, worshiping God together. But then like, I don't know, sort of like a cool person, like singing and being like the, you know, the, the person with the spotlight on them and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It just, it just, at some point, like it just kept rubbing me the wrong way. And yeah. Um, but yeah, the, sort of like, you know, peace be still is something that like 
like I was a depressed and like anxious and emo kid, like, mm. and probably with undiagnosed ADD. And you want me mm-hmm. to have peace and be still, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. happening. Right. No, that's yeah. I appreciate you sharing all that. Um, <laughs> what you said reminded me of something much less profound, which was uh, when I was going to my uh, Christian junior high. I had in some Bible class the assignment to come up with like the kind of church we'd want to plan. And I was like, well, up front, you got to make space for the pit. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember presenting this to the class and I was like, cause that's what worship is going to be. We're all just going to be in the pit together. That's worship to me. (laughs) So like, Um, um, (laughs) like, I guess I still feel that way a little bit. Is it like, uh, (laughs) is that how I worship? I don't know. Um, Oh, man, I, let's. I, I'm ready for that church, bro. <laughs> church of the pit. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, just Father God, I just want to say tonight. Just in, that fucking pit. <laughs> in this place tonight, just want to windmill these fucking arms in the pit. <laughs> oh man, Father God, I just, I just hope you're ready to open up that fucking pit. Um, <laughs> Father God, I just want to lift up. <laughs> This shoe that I found in the middle of the pit is this anybody's shoe. Oh my god, so good. Uh, let's go there. I just want to um, lift up my brother from off the ground because he just got right. knocked down. Let's all help each other up. Yeah, God, when he falls, we pick them up just like you pick us up after we sin, Father God. What you uh, oh. Um, quickly, yes. uh, musically, this song. <laughs> I feel like it builds in a really satisfying way. Yeah. Um, it's long, long. <laughs> and kind of epic, even yeah. if it still has like a modest scope, but the kind of big buildup that it does at the end and then kind of back quieting down. I always found really emotional, especially as it's paired with that piece. Be still line. So yeah, let's, can we hear a little bit of this? Yeah, let's do it. Hmm. I mean, those bass notes. good oh yeah it's the the slow build and the little minor distortion and the drums slowly picking up and it does feel like it could be a fairly worshipful live moment yeah definitely maybe i don't need to feel as embarrassed about that memory no i don't think so all right the well Mm.
Like that tremolo sound. Yeah, very much the same. Um, Samaritan woman at the well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Living water. Um, That story. Um, (laughs) I I feel like they're, uh, I don't know, maybe more so on these, these, the the whole EP in this record, you find a lot more one-to-one scripture references. Right. Yeah. You're not going to find much of that after, (laughs) after this, after these albums. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a simple song. Um, but you know, I, this is one that's told, I appreciate hearing that story from her perspective, although it's like second person, but I appreciate it as a kind of simple contained story. You know, it summarizes a much bigger story from a small piece of it, just this little interaction. And I always found that to be powerful again. Like I appreciate that over like a sort of hitting you over the head song. It's just like this woman having the surprise encounter being like, could this be, you know, like I, Mm -hmm. I find that to be um, an effective way of uh, succinctly explaining this like gospel story of real uh, at the time, sort of radical overcoming of uh, divisions and welcoming of marginalized people and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. And, and musically, you know, like a lot of these songs also pretty simple, but yeah, the warmth and the pace of it just kind of wash over me in a satisfying way. So I yeah. like it. I guess, you know, for me, these, these kinds of biblical narrative songs, especially if it's like, you're just sort of telling the story and there's no larger right. metaphor or connection. Like you're talking about like a connection to a marginalized group that might be a different kind of song but this is just like just kind of the story and right i know very simple song but yeah um yeah it's 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 all right not really uh it's not a mind blower no it's not a mind blower one more song yeah closing it out with promise I'll take something to believe Something with long sleeves Cause it's unpredictable Now Jesus said He'd fill my needs But my heart still bleeds He's just not physical Now why can't I see If I look up And the sky's not there Is there any reason that I should be scared When surrender Mommy's all right. Daddy's Daddy's all right. right. (laughs) That's funny. Um, I definitely I do like the song. I always I have always found the chorus. Oh my gosh, the chorus very catchy. Um, if I looked up. And the sky's not there. Like, I feel like I still sing that to myself sometimes, but 
it's not one of my favorites on the album uh it feels the most like the whole ep to me <laughs> which is yeah. like representative of a, of a different sound and style than what pedro would become so i don't know it just feels a little on the nose uh as that record does to me um yeah i miss the sort of metaphor <laughs> um and i get why it ends with this because it sort of feels like the most different so kind of where else are you going to put it but i feel like the well would have been the stronger closer like closing it in a quiet more contemplative spot rather than the like like Jesus said, I don't know. I was just a little bit like, eh. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I I like that it's trying to still wrap his yeah, doubt yeah, yeah, for in sure. There, being like, I just meant more musically, but yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, I I, I like that there's some palm muting going on in this, yeah, it's on a little this record, a little harder for, rock in here for once, right? You know, that's true. The whole like why can't i see i understand that the whole like the vision thing the, that's the whole concept of the song is vision being able to right. see and why can't i see and i can't actually see him and right you know and why can't i understand sort of i don't know i don't i don't like the i, I still wrestle with the like putting the blame on yourself yeah yeah, yeah. And like why can't i see it's like well right right it's because it's a very difficult thing to ask of somebody to right. believe such a monumental thing without that evidence, without yeah. evidence, without that, that with no certainty. And so like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fair to you right. to be like, yeah, I'm not so sure about this. Right. I think I did appreciate it for that reason that it was like closing the album. I'm like, Hey, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, right. A promise is a promise, but sometimes I'm like, I find this tough, which like, I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, it's interesting that his son, you know, you can track it as we were saying very clearly through the discography where in like whole, it's like, yeah, I believe. And then in like, it's hard to find a friend. It's like, I don't know if I believe, but you know, I know God, still has me like hey, it, there's, there's always a closing promise, sort of like, promise right there's a promise and then by future albums that that final piece is gone <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> it's just like i don't know if i believe and that's the end of it there's no like sort of comforting right final piece um that's it's hard to find a friend yeah i had so much fun going through that i'm really glad that you enjoy it too i knew that you would like his stuff but i was a little nervous at one point if you'd be like I don't really, you know, not really doing too much in these early stuff. I'm like, oh man, I love this record. So glad we both enjoy it. Enjoy it. Um, let us know what you think. Yes. About this album, about Pedro and Bazan in general, at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, all the places. And give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and we'll read it right on the pod like this one from our buddy Finn McCooler mm. <laughs> who says hours and hours and hours and hours of fun <laughs> easily the longest podcast I've ever listened to and I enjoy every minute of it I must admit at first I wasn't sure I cared and considered skipping to the timestamp which is very kind but apparently not obvious enough for some folks leaving reviews here uh, <laughs> where they start reviewing the album for the week I'm glad I stuck around, though. The non-album portions are often my favorite, as Andrew, John, and the occasional guests discuss topics from theology and anti-racism to Starburst and Weird Beers. Patreon content is worth checking out, too, if you enjoy the main feed. Magpod for life. Yeah, hey, thanks, Finn. Our dude. Um, Man, finally, yes, yeah, somebody who, like, reads the show notes and knows <laughs> that there's a timestamp. 
Yeah. We always put a timestamp in there, folks. If you want to skip the Batman for half an hour, I don't know why you'd want to do that. But uh, yeah, second our, half is always the album. Yeah, we're going to we're going to start putting our Batman takes in the middle of the album <laughs> album reviews, too. Yeah. <laughs> timestamp for the Batman uh, midway through the album review. Um, anyway, let us know what you think by emailing us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727-MAGPOD. You can support us at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod, where because of our little break, we've got quite a few new Patreon punks Ooh. to welcome. Ooh, snap. Welcome to Missy Luke. Oh, shit, I had the air horn pulled up. Welcome, Missy. There we go. Uh, <laughs> David Assel. Or Assel. Sorry if I screwed that up. Nathan Kibler. Nate Ernst. And Adam Kramer. And Adam, we should Ooh, say. Yes, we should. When this episode drops, uh, you can listen to us guesting on Adam's pod called So I've Been Told, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you know, talking about our our background experience over there. So thank you, Adam, for that. And you can pick up some of that new season four merch coming soon. Yes. Magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Uh, thanks to Small Step Records for sponsoring us. Yes. Go to smallstepperecords.com to learn more. And thanks to Shadow Producer Jason and Designer Bruno at Unoriginal Vinyl for our artwork. Well, I think I hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up. Uh, But we'll be back to try to make you go astray next week when we'll discuss Pedro the Lion's Winners Never Quit. Swinging my arms around like all these trucks I'm seeing in the road Grabbing down the road in my trans hand With my dad in the cup Dad, dad, what did you let that man Push you around like that. You should be pulled over down to the face. That is proportional to this minor infraction. Don't do it. You always jump the gun, Andrew. I always jump the gun. I don't know about the rest of the country, but in Minnesota, there is there are two types of drivers. The person that like is driving maybe exactly the speed limit or a little below, or they are practicing for the Indy 500. There is like no middle ground. And sometimes being on, uh, on 94 or Mm. 35 or whatever around here, it is, it, uh, it makes you want to, you know, teach people a lesson. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, Hey. I don't, don't care if you've got an oversized load over here. There's, uh, there's real people in those fast, fast cars, man. I know. Okay. I know. I know you get hacked off. But... <laughs> I, get, I get super so hacked. hacked. <laughs> now, I'll, do my, I'll do my best to be less hacked. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.